I'm Ben, and I just became a gay uncle. I'm Tommy, and I've been Ben's gay uncle for 30 years. Are you ready for a double dose of gay uncle magic? Buckle up. Ask your gay uncle, 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 ask him all the questions that you have in your brain. Ask your gay uncle, you know that your uncle will do his very best to explain. He'll do his very best to explain. Hey, welcome to episode 15 and LGBTQ History Month. Woo. For the month of October, we're going to pay homage. Homage? Homage. What oh, are you? Uh, homage. 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 For the month of October, we're going to pay homage to LGBTQ history through our content and special interviews. And make sure you listen in next week because in honor of National Coming Out Day on October 11th, our episode will highlight your coming out stories. And don't worry, we'll still answer your questions and play some games. By the way, I'm in Mexico City, and my neighbor's adorable dog, Nanook, really wants to join us on the pod. You're going to hear him in the background. <laughs> Quiet, Nanook. Listener questions, listener questions. Ask it, ask it, ask it, We have a lot of listener questions this episode, and we're going to get through as many as we can. Yeah. Some of these are real doozies, so uh, thanks for giving us the opportunity to help you out. Question number one. I am a gay liberal man living with two other gay men in Grand Rapids, Michigan. One of the other gay men is a Democrat, but the other gay man who owns the house is a Trumper. The Trumper told me, if I campaign for Biden and Harris, I'll have to move out. The rent is cheap and the neighborhood is a nice middle-class neighborhood with a mix of races. If I move out, I'll have to double my rent to live in an impoverished apartment complex. What should I do? Yeah, you know... That's quite the predicament. It is. It is. My quick response, can we give you a name? Let's give you a name. Let's call you Joe Biden. Marcus. <laughs> what did you say, Marcus? Yeah, Marcus. I like Marcus. Okay, Marcus. Marcus, run the other way. That's my quick answer. Leave. My guess is things like this are going to keep cropping up as... I mean, we've got, from when we're recording, we've got 40 days until the election. And who knows what's going to happen? And no matter who wins, you know, I mean, he's not going to take it out on you. But I would say he's not going to take it out on you now, but he's asking you to move out. So he is taking it out on you. He does not want you to have your set of beliefs. And he's punishing you for your set of beliefs. So I say leave. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, sure. I think if it was like really easy for Marcus to leave, I think he would. But he very specifically says, you know, the rent is cheap. I really like this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like he wants a solution that's maybe different than just leave. I mean, what I would do if campaigning to you is important, I would campaign anyway and just make sure he doesn't find out um, in the short term. And then in the long term, start looking for a new place to live. Take your time make sure you find something that is affordable and has people that you enjoy. But um, in the long run, I do agree with Tommy. You don't want to live with someone who throws around those kinds of ultimatums. Yeah. Ultimatums are not a, not a safe place to live in. You know, he's not saying you can't live here if you have a cocaine habit. That I would understand. But this is, uh, you know, this is something that everybody has the right to have, which is a political opinion. 
I mean, if if you think it's worth it, Marcus, I don't know this guy. It sounds like he uh, might be hard to have a conversation with. I mean, you might be able to say like, hey, we've got political differences, clearly. Let, let's figure out a way to live together, um, you know, and not and not demonize each other. I think that's a really lovely way to start the conversation and, and just saying, how about we act in a way where our Congress is not able to act? You know, that they are not able to cross party lines, but maybe you all can cross party lines. I like Ben's idea of, you know, take your time to run the other way, <laughs> have the conversation, and in the meantime, be looking for other places. Good luck. Yeah, Marcus, good luck. Go ahead and ask your gay uncle. All right, here's a question from another listener. Do we have a name for this one? We're calling this one number two because it's listener question number two. <laughs> you guys, nobody's sending in their names. You can send a fake name, you guys. Otherwise, you're going to get stuck with names like number two. Yeah, or you can just be like, hello, this is Nesmond. Hi, I'm Belissa. My name's Maggie. <laughs> okay, sorry, what's the question? Hey, Gunkles, I'm late to figuring myself out. I turned 50 this year. I travel a lot for work. I've been hit up by a lot of young 20-something guys, a lot of hot guys. What do you think about that? Is it a thing of just one night or more? Oh, my gosh. Listener number two, you're a certified daddy. Ooh, daddy, daddy. <laughs> ben, have you, have you ever been with a daddy? I don't, I don't think so. Not like in a dating relationship sense, but I definitely am friends with and run in circles of older gay guys that absolutely identify as daddies and really embrace it. Huh. So some of our listeners might not know really what we mean when we talk about daddies. Obviously, the word has connotations to everybody, but... Uh, I did a little Google search. I looked up Miss Google, as Tommy says. Ms. Ms. Google. There's an Indie 100 article called Move Over Twinks. We're now in the age of the daddy, which is just amazing. <laughs> and this article says, in its most stereotypical form, a daddy is an attractive older man who takes on a dominant yet paternal role in relationships with men who are often younger than him. He's well-groomed toned, masculine, and often successful. He takes the lead outside the bedroom and, again, so the stereotype goes, is a top, the penetrative role in the bedroom. Um, again, very stereotypical. Very. There are also 20-something guys that identify as daddies. It's really more of a vibe than like an actual thing. But I found one other article that had something really interesting to say from the young guys kind of perspective of like why younger men um might be into a daddy yeah, yeah 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 so this was from a metro source article called how to be a daddy 101 <laughs> it said most gay guys didn't have gay mentors growing up in fact quite the contrary many of us had people invalidating the gay adult we were becoming so being with an older man can be an opportunity to rewrite that gap in our childhoods which I thought was interesting insight. It is interesting. I, I wonder if, like, daddies were not around when I was a kid. Really? Like, that, that, no. Oh, no. Were other gay tropes around when you were, like, were otters and bears and other kind of twinks around when you were a kid? Uh, definitely not twinks. Um, uh, no, not otters. Maybe bears. Yeah. 
even just being with an older guy was not a desirable thing when I was younger. It was so youth focused and 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 now well, that's a cool change. Oh, it's a yeah, it's a huge change, right? You know, I mean, now daddies are daddies are wanted. Yeah, well, for someone who like like listener two is late to figuring themselves out and just turned fifty, like what a great opportunity! What a time to be alive, daddy! Oh my gosh, <laughs> right? Like figure yourself out with this baby. <laughs> I think the real question is, listener number two, do you actually want to be a daddy? Yeah, that's really the heart of the question. I think Ben is absolutely right. What do you want? And one of the things that you say is, what do you think about that? Is this a thing of just one night or more? And it's hard to understand what people want. There's no question about that, especially when you're new to this situation. I remember when I moved out to the West Coast. Ben, I don't know if I ever told you this. When I moved out to the West Coast, I was actually your age. I was like 30. And... I felt like everybody was hitting on me. I was like, man, I have landed with all the hot candy. You know, it was so exciting. They probably were hitting on you. No, they weren't. It was all these West Coast guys who were friendly and open. And I was reading it incorrectly. No, it's like when you go to Europe and you think everyone's gay. You're like, what? This is where they've all been hiding? (laughs) Right? They dress well. They hold hands. They're communicative. (laughs) Yeah. So I I get like that thing of where you are, listener to, which is what's going on? And I've I've got a couple of questions. One of them is, how are you connecting or hooking up with these guys? Because that's going to give you a little bit of insight on to their intent. And really what you're trying to do is read their intent. Well, he says, I've been hit up by a lot of young 20-something guys. I think it's pretty clear what their intent is. They're not hitting him up to be like, excuse me, sir, like, where's the corner store? Have you seen a bodega around? (laughs) Well, okay, right. Like, they're hitting him up because they want a daddy. Yes, but his question is, Do they want a daddy for a long-term relationship? This is my guess. Because he's not really clear. Or is it a one-night thing? And the the grinder side, it's going to be more of, I want a one-night stand. And OkCupid or Match.com or Hinge, those things, it's a little bit more of, I want to be in a relationship. And I would say Scruff is somewhere in the middle there. You know, and really check in with your gut. Your gut's probably going to know in the first couple of conversations, right? Like if they're going, yo, what's up? Sup. That's such a common one. Sup or hey there. What are you into? Clearly, they just want to have sex. They're not interested in a long-term relationship. Or maybe they only just know like seven words. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Then they're too young. They are too young if they only know seven words. That's a good point. Honestly, if you're getting hit up on these, you know, grinder and stuff by guys and they seem young, you need to ask for an ID. All right. So I think the question is, do you want to be a daddy? And if you actually want to be a daddy, make it clear what you're looking for. Are you looking for a one night stand or are you looking for a relationship? Yeah. And that's a total daddy thing to do. Take the reins, baby. (laughs) Take the reins. (laughs) What? What? Were you just being a reindeer? A reindeer? Santa is the ultimate daddy. 
Ugh. Um, no, like the reins of a horse. Take the reins. Be the one who's steering. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> that's a very daddy thing. Uh, oh, the last thing I wanted to say is, especially since you're just figuring yourself out, don't limit yourself. Just because these 20-something guys are interested in you doesn't mean those are the only people that, especially as you're figuring yourself out, you should be exploring yourself with. Try guys of all ages, 30s, 40s, 50s. Oh my God, guys in their 60s, see what it's like. You might learn a lot about yourself doing that. And you might end up learning that you are, in fact, a daddy. Yes. And you may learn that you actually want to be with someone who is of your equal. I mean, would you say, Ben, would you say that in a daddy situation, people aren't equal? Uh, I mean, it depends on what, it depends on how you define equality. I think you're using equal as this like umbrella term. And does the notion of one person being a top and one person being a bottom negate equality? I don't think so. No, 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 no. I, to me, it's not about sexual position. And, no, I know. And, I'm just giving examples, yeah. Tommy. If one person has more money and one person has less money, does that mean not equal? No, not necessarily. If one person has more life experience and one person have, has less life, you know what I mean? So just because right. there's like a daddy kind of young guy relationship doesn't mean that there's inherent inequality. Oh, that's interesting because I, you know, I've had some younger guys be like, how are you, sir? Stuff like that on, on Scruff. And I immediately run the other way. I just, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. I want someone who is my equal. I want someone who matches me and someone who calls me sir. Wait, but Tommy, this is really interesting. So, but why does that inherit? Like if someone is flirtatiously calling you sir, why does that immediately sound your equality alarm? Um, well, that's only if there's an age difference in us. Because it puts me in the role of being a daddy and I put the role of daddy being in, you know, I have a more narrow definition of daddy, I think. Maybe that just means that you're less comfortable taking on that role. Maybe that doesn't mean that the roles are unequal. No, no. I like that role. And I, I, are you kidding? I'm in that role all the time. I'm a teacher. I'm a director. I'm a choreographer. I'm telling people what to do all the time. Except in the bedroom. <laughs> I've got a fucking podcast where, where I'll tell you what to do with your problem. You know, <laughs> so for me, it is, I think it is, it's, a, it's around in the bedroom. I want equality in the bedroom. Sometimes I want someone to be, you know, I hate the term daddy. Wow. I don't even want to say I want someone to be my daddy. It is, maybe it's an age thing. I think, but I, you know, I there think are a the lot notion of, <laughs> of it just, just like irks you because you're of like a different generation. Yeah, it was, it was, I just couldn't see me in that role. And so maybe that's why I just, I just don't want to take it on. Yeah. I mean, that's a good segue back to listener number two. Like if this makes you uncomfortable in some way, definitely don't, don't play some role that these young guys want you to play just because they want you to do it. But if you're like, oh no, this feels naturally to me. This is in my bones. Like I like being this daddy. I like calling the shots. Fucking go for it. Yeah, yeah. Also, ask for an ID. <laughs> Good luck, listener number two. Good luck, Daddy. That was so gross. <laughs> Anonymous says... 
I have met this very attractive older married couple through a work event, and we've messaged, flirted a bit, and have even hung out. I'm very attracted to both of these gentlemen. However, I am not really interested or attracted to their live-in boyfriend, who is my age. How do you suggest I could proceed or work around this thruple situation? I want to make a meaningful bond with them, but I don't know where I fit into the picture. I love the idea of being a third in a thruple, but I'm completely dumbfounded when the thruple is already formed. Where do I fit? That's from Anonymous. Nani. Nani. Anonymous. Noni? Noni, like a Italian grandmother? <laughs> Noni. Um, Noni, <laughs> I think that you have the total ability in which to have a conversation with these people. Your question is really clear. You want to know how you fit into the picture and is it possible? And you know that you're not interested in this other dude. So have the conversation with them. Yeah. I, I, I trust that you will have a really smooth way in which to, to present this to these two guys. You're clear and I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it. It just is getting the guts to do it. And I think one of the ways in which to do that is to say, hey, I've got a conversation around intimacy. Would you guys be okay having that conversation with me and, you know, relationships and how you got into your three-way? And that's a great way to lay the foundation for then a bigger and more in-depth conversation where you get to say what you want. Mm -hmm. And the clearer you are, the easier it's going to be for them to respond. Yeah. Okay, Noni, it sounds from your question that you actually really like these guys, this, this older married couple. You say you want to make a meaningful bond with both of them. Those are very specific words. So I want to start off by ensuring that you're being realistic about everybody's romantic priorities. Since these gentlemen are married, we can assume that their first romantic priority is to each other. Since they have a live-in boyfriend, we can assume that their second romantic priority is him. Hmm. That makes you number three. Are you okay with that? Right. That's a great question, Ben. You say you want to make a meaningful bond with both of them, but you don't know where you fit into the picture. I can see why. So unless you're interested in joining a harem and becoming a sister wife, I'd find another married couple to thruple. But if you're not ready to throw the towel in, like Tommy said, just ask for what you want. And the clearer you are, the easier it's going to be for them to respond. And if you do it in person, you'll learn a lot about them and you'll learn a lot about yourself. Just in the sitting, in the awkwardness and the intimacy and the vulnerability right there. But keep in mind that even if you get them to yourself for an evening or two, as long as they have a live-in boyfriend, you're likely going to remain their third romantic priority. Yeah. And you know... Um, who are you? Nani. Noni. 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 They've had this conversation before. Yeah. Right? This is not a new conversation. They have had this conversation uh, with this guy. And they have figured out and negotiated who's fucking whom and when is that happening? And am I falling in love with you or not? And, you know, so you are not introducing a new subject to them. You just go in there and you tell them what the fuck you want. <laughs> yeah. And if it gets too tricky for you... Bounce. I'm sure there's many older married couples that would love to have you in their thruple. Thanks, Noni. <laughs> this is a question from our Noni. Yeah. Oh, Noni. We love your lasagna. <laughs> Go ahead and ask your gay uncle.
Hey, it's your friendly neighborhood producer, Jackie. We hope you're enjoying Ask Your Gay Uncle. If you'd like to ask a question for Tommy and Ben to answer on the podcast, leave us a message at 512-981-7332. Or you can email ask at askyourgayuncle.com. You can find us on Instagram at askyourgayuncle or Twitter at AYGU podcast. Thanks for listening. Listener questions, listener questions. Ask us your questions. My name is Eleanor. I'm 22. I'm from Marin County, California. Um, and I recently got into my first ever serious relationship. Uh, and I'm going to be moving in with my boyfriend in Chicago in a few weeks. Um, I love him a lot, but he comes from a more conservative background, a.k.a. he played lacrosse and was a frat bro. And insists that saying faggot is something that is important to him and his relationship with his friends. Um, this is something that I don't condone and particularly bothers me because I was raised by two moms. I'm in consistent contact with my bio dad and his partner, have a trans half-sibling, and am pansexual, bisexual, who knows, myself. Um, we've only ever talked about it once when we were both quite inebriated. But I want to have another more productive conversation with him. So I would love your advice on how to engage him without getting a dismissive or emotional response. Yeah, how to have a potentially tricky conversation. It's interesting. A lot of these questions are sort of about that. Mm -hmm. There's a theme. You know, how to communicate about something when you've got two potentially very opposing values or views or sets of experiences. What are your thoughts, Ben? Well, I'm sure you and I are going to have a very different take on this. So let me just give my thing and then you give your thing. Sure. But my thing is like like a unit. So I just want to like get through it. Okay, go for it. If you, if you don't mind. No. Mm -mm. Okay, Eleanor. Um, advice on how to engage him and have a productive conversation. So in order to look at this clearly and without the emotional jab that comes to many people when they hear the word faggot, let's temporarily remove the word from the equation and imagine instead it's some other habit that particularly bothers you, just for the purpose of this discussion. As an exercise, say he smokes cigarettes or tips servers 5% or clips his toenails on the kitchen counter. Here are five steps for an emotionally grounded and productive discussion about it. Step one, be clear about how this habit affects you and be specific. For example, when you smell like cigarettes, it gives me a pounding headache. The smell lingers in my clothes and in my car, and honestly, it makes me want to kiss you a little less. Step two, ask him with genuine curiosity what he gets out of his habit. What does he like about it? What are the tangible benefits? Listen to his response. Step three, with zero judgment in the tone of your voice, tell him the potential negative consequences of his habit. For example, servers rely on tips as part of their wages. So when you tip 5%, it makes you seem rude and cruel, which makes the people around you respect you less, including me. The key here is to have zero judgment in the tone of your voice, but the words should be serious and reflect the weight of the issue. Step four, discuss whether the benefits outweigh the negatives together. The more genuinely open you are to hearing him out, the more genuinely open he'll be to hearing you out. And then step five, last, feel out his willingness to change 
by suggesting potential solutions. For example, since clipping your toenails on the kitchen counter totally grosses me out and the bathroom doesn't give you the leverage you say you need, how about you do it outside off the deck so we're both happy? These five steps will help you keep the discussion productive, unemotional, and non-judgmental. Okay, now back to the word faggot. It's a truly hateful word, and of course it makes you uncomfortable. But you love him, and it sounds like you want to work on this, and you're moving in together, so it has to be addressed. Have that open discussion. Find out why it's so important to his relationship with his friends that he say the word faggot. What does that even mean that it's important to his relationship with his friends? Get to the bottom of it. Is the enjoyment he gets out of saying that word more important to him than the fact that it truly bothers you? If so, that should be a red flag. Is he willing to at least stop saying it around you? If not, that should be a red flag too. Having the discussion will give you a pretty clear sense of his willingness to change. And if he's completely unwilling, you get to decide whether that's a deal breaker for you in the relationship. That's my two cents. What do you think, Tommy? I was like $2 and two cents. Well, I wanted to give like actionable advice, you know? Yeah, Ben, no, I'm not complaining at all. I think it's really good. And you laid out the steps and, and it's a really cogent way in which to address this. And, you know, the beauty of podcasts is you can play it again, Eleanor, and you can take notes. Also, just if that doesn't work, just start calling him a faggot and see what happens. <laughs> make, make it your pet name for him. I'm all for it. Okay, your turn, Tommy. Oh, Eleanor, run the other way. That's what I'm going to say. Run the other way. You like, to, you like to tell people to run from things a lot, Tommy. No, I'm not saying run from it. It is this person is not going to change. That's what I'm believing. They're not going to change. Um, maybe they will. I don't know. But... I, I've got questions for you, Eleanor. So you are in love with a guy who uses the word faggot. I think the word is important. I disagree with what Ben said about have it be a different behavior. I think substituting it with something is right, but not a behavior because this is not a behavior. This is a belief system. And that's to me is the problem. What he is doing is I mean, you know what he's doing. Your mothers are, you have two moms, you've got lesbians, your dad is a homo who has a, you know, I mean, it's, 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 you are surrounded by people who are in the LGBTQ community. And here's my tough question for you, which is you have chosen to be with someone who's making fun of those people. Why is that? And possible answer is as kids, we all rebel against our parents. And maybe this is your way of like rebelling against your parents. And if that's the case, then are you really in love with this guy? I mean, it sounds like you are. You say you are. You're moving in with him. I, I just think it's going to be a big problem. Um, of course, I'm also getting the information that you've told me. And you haven't listed the thousand ways in which you all get along and you're in complete sync with each other. Um, and maybe those are there as well. I don't know. I'm just going based off of what you've said. Um, I, I keep going back to the word. Uh, what would you do if he used the N word? And he said, well, I just use it with my friends. What would you do? I mean, you would be out the door. Yeah. You would be out the door, my guess is. You would not even have entertained a relationship with him. Words have power. They have power. 
and maybe he doesn't know the power of this word. It's a shitty word. Yeah, nobody should be saying that word. It's beyond shitty. It's a violent word. It's a word to minimize people and to make fun of people. You know that. And I think you need to um, run the other way because this is not going to be an isolated event. You say he comes from a conservative family. You do not come from a conservative family. But Tommy, her goal is not to, she said that she wants to have I understand. a productive conversation. I understand that, Ben. And I am, I am saying not to. I think it's not going to work out. But, you know, you don't know me from Adam. And you can just be like, fuck you, dude. I want to do this. And so my guess is when I had that, when I immediately said, run the other way, you were like, oh, God, that's right. Or, oh, God, fuck you. I'm not going to do that. I love him. And your immediate response is going to be your gut response. And that's going to tell you something. Yeah. Yeah. You get to decide for yourself what your quote unquote bottom line is. This is so connected to the, the Republican Trumper who wants to kick this guy out. You know, he has put up an ultimatum. And at some point, I think ultimatums are necessary. At some point, they don't always have to be. But for you, I think you need to find out if he is not willing to change, then what are you going to do? Yeah, that might be a deal breaker for you. And you need to, in that nonviolent communication way, say, would you be willing to not use that word? And then he gets to say either yes or no. But really what's behind it is, is it's not the word, it's the belief. It is the practice and the belief that he has. And maybe it's his way of getting closer to these guys. You know, I mean, I one of my questions is, how does he use the word? And he's like, yo, faggot, how are you? Or faggot, what's up? I don't think he's using faggot like homie. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how he's using it. How would you use it? Ben, do you ever use the word faggot? Not unless we're talking about it in this context. Yeah. Honestly. I never call anybody a faggot. I might say, hey, girl, what's up? Or bitch, how are you? Yeah. I don't go, hey, sissy. I don't go, hey, queer boy, like my friends. Terms of endearment. It's not there. You know, I don't go, hey, hey, faggy, how are you? Like I'm trying <laughs> to remember when I have used a derogatory word as a term of endearment. I don't think she's saying that he's using it as a term of endearment. I know. My question is, how is he using it? And I'm like kind of going through all the possibilities. Like, does he go, oh, he's such a fucking faggot? Well, then there's clearly animosity and hate there. Then why the hell are you with somebody who's saying that? And if he's using it in a way of joking, then maybe that's when you have the conversation of like, you know, you're not a faggot, so you really can't use that word. You can't use that word as a joke. And I'd be like, oh boy, I was with a bunch of fags yesterday. I cannot tell you. We talked about Judy Garland for hours, right? Like, that's how I would use it. But I get to use it because I'm a fucking fag. And that's because I'm the oppressed. And the one who is the oppressor does not get to use that word. They just don't. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a really good point, Tommy, that comparing it to the N-word. Yeah. I guess that's the closest thing we have to it. It is. It is. And it's 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 like why I'm 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 cringing and going run the other way, Eleanor. You know, I if he is using it out of a place of ignorance and you can educate him, do it. 
by all means. He will love you for it and you will love him for it and you will get deeper in your relationship by all means if he is using it from a place of not knowing. If he knows the power of the word and still uses it, run the other way. Yeah, I mean, this is a really good lesson in general. Like if we zoom out, it's a really good lesson in general that in relationships, the other person will oftentimes do things that bother you. <laughs> and seriously, no, I'm serious. Oh, I know that kidding? sounds trite. You're so right. You know, and maybe that's really small. Maybe it's lip smacking. Maybe it's chewing with your mouth open. Maybe it's cutting your toenails on the kitchen counter. Maybe it's saying the word faggot, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And if being with this person is meaningful enough to you that you're that you want to work through that you just have to talk about it yeah you have to say like th like this is the effect that has on me and they might not know they might not truly understand the effect that it has on you and flip it the other way like if you know you can say that like if i was doing something that like really bothered you wouldn't wouldn't you want to talk about it and you can say i would want to hear it and because I love you, I, yeah. I would highly consider changing my behavior yeah. or changing something so that it doesn't put you in that awkward, awful position. Yeah. And the word faggot saying that is probably not something that he really benefits from that much. You know, it's not like he, let's say he loves playing video games and you hate that he spends so much time playing video games. That's a little different because that's an activity that like in, that he enjoys that he benefits from. And you in your question you say he insists that saying faggot is something that is important to him and his relationship with his friends. Yeah. Get to the bottom of that. I like tease like, that apart. Really tease it apart. Force him to really talk about what that means and not in a confrontational way in like an I'm genuinely curious. Like what is it about your relationship with your friends? that using the word faggot is like such a pillar of that relationship. And my guess is it's not really. I wonder if what's behind this is, is he feeling confronted by you? And is he scared of your family? And my guess is your family is quite different than his family. And so he might be wondering if he needs to change a lot to enter into your family and your circle and to enter into your heart. And that might be really scary for him. And so this might be a way of him putting up a little bit of a wall. You know, if he's coming from a conservative background and he is meeting this 22-year-old Marin chick who, you know, I mean, you're fucking from Marin, so <laughs> you're a groovy hippie girl who knows what Birkenstocks are. And you have two moms, so you're already outside of the norm. And then you're pansexual. You even know what that word means. You're <laughs> outside the norm again. And you have a trans sibling. You're like, who the fuck are you, girl? Like, I want to know you, you know? And, and so for someone who's coming from a conservative background, that's like, whoa, wow, yikes. And this might be his way of just going, I need to keep some sort of my history with me. I would say that's a great thing, but not through that word. Don't do it through that word. Yes, keep your background. I'm not asking you to enter into, you know, a thruple or, or fruple relationship. I am interested in you not hurting my parents. And all it is is by not saying the word faggot. Yeah. I think it's a very reasonable request to ask someone not to say the word faggot.
this is how people learn. This is how minds change. This is really important. We're so divided as a country right now. Like these are the conversations that need to be had. Otherwise, nothing's going to change. You have an opportunity here, Eleanor. So you've got the five steps of Ben, and you've got a few a few suggestions from me. Good luck, Eleanor. I want to know what happens. Me too. Yeah. It's gone good the In honor of LGBTQ History Month, our Gunkle of the Week is Rodney Wilson. Rodney Wilson is a Missouri high school teacher who created Gay History Month, now known as LGBTQ History Month, while teaching in St. Louis in 1994. As a child, Rodney Wilson's father hated gay people, and his family grew up watching Jerry Falwell's Old Time Gospel Hour on television. We talked about that, Tommy. Yes, we did. Until his 20s, Rodney himself was a fundamentalist Christian. He wrestled with his sexuality and read everything he could find about gay history. He said later in an interview, quote, LGBT history gave me self-confidence as a gay person and strengthened my resolve to live as best I could an honest, open, and integrated life. Okay, fast forward to 1994. Here's where it gets interesting. Rodney's in his late 20s, and while teaching the history of the Holocaust to his high school students in suburban St. Louis, Rodney comes out to his students. Wait, how did he come out? I will let one of his students tell you about that. So this audio you're about to hear is from a documentary about Rodney Wilson that came out in the 90s, and it's got some funky music in the background, but this is what she says. He had given us a paper that had listed all the different patches that people would wear if they were Jewish, if they were a gypsy, if they had a disability, if they were homosexual. And I remember him saying, if I would have been in a concentration camp uh, during the Holocaust, I would have had a pink triangle on my coat. And so of course, you know, we all look at our paper like pink triangle, you know, and I think everybody just was like, you know, for, for that time and for, for, for us in this classroom, kind of earth-shattering. This made Rodney Wilson the first openly gay K-12 teacher in Missouri. Wow. And it sparked a series of meetings with parents and the school board. Some parents were furious about their children being taught by a gay teacher and the notion of teaching gay history, often citing biblical arguments. And if you have a Bible, I ask you to read First Corinthians, and it'll tell you it is not right. Wait, they thought that he was going to be teaching gay history because he was gay, therefore he was all of a sudden going to change the entire curriculum and teach gay history. He said he thought it was appropriate to mention the existence of gay people in teaching history. Oh, yeah, which is like mentioning the existence of Native Americans. Oh, my gosh. We do not need this in our school. This is not quality education, and this has no value at all for our children. So parents were outraged, and Rodney not only stood by his choice, but turned it into a larger conversation about the ethics of mentioning homosexuality in history. This is Rodney arguing his case. You cannot be honest to the historical record and not say in the 1960s when all of these other groups of Americans began to agitate for their constitutional rights, their God-given rights, you cannot do that and leave out one group simply because that might be considered controversial or it might bring on inconvenience. Yeah, right on. So uh, this controversy sparked a lot of press and Rodney became a sort of kind of celebrity and 
a villain, depending on who you asked. An openly gay teacher is at the center of a curriculum controversy that involves the role of gays and lesbians in history. Five months ago, 29-year-old Rodney Wilson shocked a lot of people when he told some of his classes he's gay. Coming up, could this history teacher be history because he came out of the closet in class? Do gay teachers belong at the head of the class? And Rodney Wilson was actually interviewed on a lot of these shows. And um, here's just one clip that is just wild to me. And one of the reasons they're afraid of you is that you're a very good teacher, that you're going to somehow recruit them. That's absurd. Absolutely absurd. Yeah, so imagine being criticized for being too good at your job. Oh my gosh. And the public debate about this one moment in Rodney Wilson's history class that his students didn't even really care about, just bubbled and bubbled. We're talking about Melville Public School. Or he's a polygamist, or he's a pedophile, or whatever. This is totally That's right, and that was bad taste and a bad judgment on the part of the teacher. He should have been reprimanded or maybe fired. No, I don't know. They don't want gays teaching their kids, playing with their kids, or even occupying the same room with their kids. Sound like he was being sexual about it. Well, I think the issue How at the time. How can be sexual about saying I'm a homosexual? It's no different than him talking about his. Fr- people expect teachers to talk about their frame of reference if they're married and I the subject of marriage about comes subject up. Subject matter that Excuse is me. in the textbooks that kids okay. can't don't know. Is, We've gone do, crazy. Do, do you mind? Uh, okay, should a teacher oh. not be able to tell his class that he's married? Huh. That's interesting. The difference. Yeah. Yeah. In the coverage there. Yeah. No, it was. It really ran the gamut, and. In some ways, he kind of became an icon. Uh, ABC's soap opera, All My Children, even modeled a gay history teacher character after Rodney Wilson. Oh my gosh, if you've made it on a soap opera, you've gotten somewhere. So Ben, when when was this? What, what, what time was this? This was 1994. Wow, I don't remember any of this. That's so fascinating. I mean, it was in St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, yeah. Keep going, keep going. Okay, <laughs> okay. So amid the controversy, Rodney's students supported him, the teacher's union supported him, and the school board ultimately protected him and gave him a tenured job. Hmm. And what began as a simple history lesson evolved into something much bigger. Inspired by Women's History Month and Black History Month, Rodney Wilson created Gay History Month, now known as LGBTQ History Month. He worked with national organizations to develop a gay-friendly curriculum for educators. Oh, wow, he did want to teach gay history. (laughs) He did. He did want to teach gay. Yeah. Yeah. The Melville School Board wins praise for protecting a history teacher's civil rights. The Melville teacher who told his students he's gay gets a tenured job in the South County District. It's being called a victory for gays and lesbians tonight. Although Wilson was reprimanded for discussing personal matters in class, he still feels it was appropriate. I did not get fired. So... Fast forward to now. LGBT History Month is celebrated in the United States, the UK, Hungary, Canada, Australia, Brazil, Greenland, and the city of Berlin, according to Wikipedia. In 2012, for the first time, two American school districts celebrated LGBT History Month, the Broward County School District in Florida and the Los Angeles School District, which is America's second largest. Wow. So this guy really created a movement. And it all started with coming out to his students. Oh, that's such a good story about coming out and the power of honesty. Yeah. Here's Rodney Wilson talking about some of his former students getting in touch with him. And again, pardon the weird music. Nothing is more rewarding than having a student who was in your classroom 25 years ago 
make contact with you again and say you did this or you said this and I still remember it. Or to have students come back who are gay, for example, who did not say that to anyone in 1996 at this school. There were no openly LGBT uh, teachers or students in this school that I'm aware of. Uh, to have them come back and say, I actually was uh, lesbian or gay, or, and knowing that you were there, knowing that someone could be open about who they are, even though I never said anything at the time, had great meaning and actually helped me get through my life. Wow. So I just want to end with uh, two things. When Rodney was a child, like I said, his father was very homophobic and he and Rodney didn't have a great relationship. In my last conversation with my father before he died in 2004, the very last conversation with him over the phone, he told me something that I had not known. He used to park here with a gun, of course, because he was a countryman, and he would watch as I came out of school to make sure I got into my car safely and no one did anything to me. That's sort of beautiful and scary at the same time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Hey, Ben, what, what's the gunkle aspect for you with Rodney? What would make him a good gunkle for you? I like that he stood up for what he believed in and, and didn't make it personal. Mm. Like he was just fighting for reality in teaching history altogether. And he was basically saying like, you can't mm. teach history without mentioning gay people. Rodney Wilson was just so measured throughout all of it. And he did these interviews and he was like positive and congenial and poised. And he was like, yeah, this is the way to teach history. Mm. This is what happened. You can't not say what happened. Right, right. Being in that place of fact. Yeah. And like you, yeah. you, like the reason why he won is because you can't argue with that. Mm. So I just think it's a lesson for, you know, advocacy of all kinds. It's tricky, isn't it? Because it's about belief system. Here are people who believe one thing and he believes something different. Well, but I think he did his best to make it not about personal beliefs. I think that's why I like him. He didn't make it about like, you have to accept gay people, you have to love gay people, you have to have, you know, invite gay people home for dinner, you know, you mm. have to support gay marriage. He just said, like, it's history. We're going to talk about it. And we need to teach it. Yeah, that's very cool. And then the last thing I'm going to leave you all with is a quote from Rodney Wilson. The greatest act of advocacy for civil rights for LGBT Americans is the act of coming out. Okay, nieces and nephews, last chance to send in your coming out stories for our coming out episode. That'll be coming out on October 11th, National Coming Out Day. Say coming out again. Coming out. You can record it as a voice memo and email it to ask at askyourgayuncle.com. Bye. Ask Your Gay Uncle is created by Tom Truss and Ben Palacios, with production support by me, Jackie Anders. Album artwork by Seth Shellhouse. Theme song and musical interludes by Ben Palacios and Dan Reuter. Special thanks to Matt Marr and everyone who sent us questions. If you'd like to ask a question for Tommy and Ben to answer on the podcast, leave us a message at 512-981-7332 or email ask at askyourgayuncle.com. Find us on Facebook at Ask Your Gay Uncle Podcast. More information at askyourgayuncle.com.